Hello, Michael. Luke Butler. Good to see you, my friend. <laughs> Smooth. What's happening? Well, it is approaching D-Day for me, mate. As you know, I've decided that I have to fly the coop from time out after 15 years and take up new employ. So I'm in the last four weeks of my time here. Trying not to get too sentimental and nostalgic, but uh, uh, looking forward to the challenge that lays ahead. What about yourself? Uh, mate, I feel like a bit of a broken record. Every time you ask me that question, I kind of give you the same response, and today will be no different. Um, just Let me guess. Let me guess. You're, you're busy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, it is. Uh, it's just when you think it can't get any uh, tougher out there from a people perspective. I think if anyone listening or our listener uh, out there, he uh, or she might uh, agree if they're from the industry that it is um, – unprecedented times i'm sick of that word but uh the people problem that is being faced by operators in australia at the moment is uh is very very real so but that's keeping us busy but apart from that life's great can't complain it's interesting on this talent thing isn't it in that uh, when we spoke a few years ago it was different pressures on the employment market so that you had uh, equity, private equity coming into the market and wage increase, more competition and I think talent leaving and there was talent shortages back then and in some ways for different reasons we're finding ourselves in a similar boat, I think. Yeah, different reasons. I mean, we've had multiple conversations about this so I won't recover old ground but um, yeah mate there's many there's many uh, influences bringing about the uh, situation at the moment don't know when there's going to be any respite um, I think it's, it's only going to get worse for the next little while um, I think uh, I, I genuinely feel very sorry for a lot of our clients at the moment because it's not through anything that they've done wrong um, and, and, and particularly at a time when businesses are wanting to get back to full capacity from a revenue generation or um, earning potential perspective and they just simply can't because there's not enough people uh, mm. there to enable them to open their doors all the time. It's um, It's got to be tough uh, because the market's there, I think, for people to capitalise. It's just um, there's, there's an inability to do so. But um, fingers crossed uh, it, uh, it, it improves, obviously, sooner rather than later. Uh, Nate, you've organised today's guest. Do you want to share who that is? It's one of these allow myself to introduce myself moments, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well it's the, if you want. It's a newly appointed 24-hour economy commissioner. He's yet to take up the gig, but apparently he's a great bloke. <laughs> That's not what I've heard. Uh, I'll give context there, I guess, so you don't have to, but um, essentially uh, my idea here to interview you, considering, you know, if you were not the host of uh, the co-host of this show, you would be our number one target for for person to get on as a guest. Um, so we thought we'd just take the opportunity. So um, our next guest is Michael Rodriguez, uh, formerly or still serving out his time as uh, managing director of Time Out Australia and uh, and chair of the Nighttime Industries Association. So two 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 jobs, two uh, things, and ro- rolling them into one with a uh, first appointment as a twenty four hour commissioner for New South Wales. So. That's the deal. Should we uh, get our guest on? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get him from the basement. Bring up the gimp. So, I shouldn't say that. We'll have to edit that out now that you're oh, uh, a politician. Um, mate, how did it all happen? Take us through it. Uh, 
we well, I recall coming onto your podcast about three years ago at, when you had Why Hospitality, and and I think we talked then extensively about the challenges that Sydney in particular were facing, and my I guess increasing role in terms of trying to turn those things around. And I've prepared a sound snippet, Luke, in preparation for this podcast. This is, this is the first. This is the first time we've ever done it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to give this a go, All right? This is this is what I said uh, three years ago on the Why Hospitality podcast when you and I first met. Actually, here we go. Um, but uh, the point about it is that um, the vibrancy of the city um, will have direct bearing on the industry, as we all know. Um, and um, yeah, there's just other cities that are nailing it in a yeah. way that we're not. <laughs> that we're not. Um, so um, you know, let's fix it. Um, mm. Yep. Please do. You sort it out. Yeah, yeah just, just give me uh, three years and, and, a, and a big check. <laughs> yeah. I'll get it done. Uh, final uh, question is... So, so there you go. A bit of a futurist, perhaps, of what would what would then unfold. But, yeah, it was quite uncanny that uh, that podcast came out on the 10th of April 2018 and here we are three years later and I'm about to go and pick up the government gig that uh, has, has kind of been, I guess, mandated or, or necessitated by extensive campaigning by many people over the number of years. And and then uh, um, in order to have, I guess, the matter of Sydney's vibrancy thought about and talked about and examined, um, and I suppose by that uh, there was a couple of government inqui- in- inquiries that in-, in the intervening period. Um, and, and then, of course, a, a commitment from the State Government of New South Wales to get on and get uh, Sydney vibrant again and that resulted i guess in um a 24-hour economy strategy that was uh published uh, towards the end of last year uh in september and uh and in amongst it was a uh you, you know one of the action items was was to put someone in charge of delivering it so so i guess uh i've sped through the history of it but um there's been you know it's the the i i, I guess it's a it's a new beginning really it's the way i like to think about it we've We've uh, talked it to death uh, as a as a community, and um, and of course uh, now it's up to us to to get in and 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 stop the talk and start with the action. All made very complicated by, of course, the um, pandemic, which no one foresaw. And uh, I guess I would, I do think it it uh, if if there was a silver lining to that, and I'm very careful with this in that uh, there's nothing. To, to make light of the challenges that many businesses have faced. But I think that if people – there's any question about what happens if you take lockout to the nth degree, everyone now understands that, like when you actually lock down a city uh, and and you deprive it of its social infrastructure, its social economy, what the consequences of that are. Mm. And I'm not comparing lockout necessarily um, to, you know, what's happened with lockdown, but um, everyone from – you know, my next door neighbour, my daughter, all the way through to Macquarie Street has experienced what happens when you deprive a city of its um, its its going out culture, and so so what that has done is, I think, crystallised then its importance, and also to some degree, I would hope, align people around how do you work together to to bring things back, and of course, the pandemic is uh sorry the 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 recovery of the economy uh in no small part depends on uh you know this sector um and so uh, i'd say that that's the, the thing that 
I've lo- I've worked out in the last few few months in particular is that alignment that you know w- was was really quite hard fought to get in the first instance. I think that that now we've got people um, in industry, uh, local councils, government, largely in agreement. It now is the how do we do it piece, you know, which uh, will bring its own challenges, no doubt. The uh, you mentioned a couple of things there that will become tangential as we go along. I assure you, but vibrancy is a word you used a couple of times. Is that defined? Is is there a clear picture on what vibrancy means in relation to the City of Sydney? And obviously there was a strategy document released and you're there to implement that. So I'm assuming that it is defined. Can you give us, um, uh, I guess, not maybe examples or, or an overview as to what what that will look like in reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a, it is in fact, and may, maybe maybe someone's had a go in the strategy, but it 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 isn't actually very well defined, to be honest. It, it in in and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through that. It <laughs> without channeling the castle, it's the vibe of the place. It, this is what this is what we're talking about, and um and of course that's not a very uh, easy thing to understand. And forever the cu- culture is is very hard to to. To quantify, and it makes it makes the economic impact of um, getting this right. Um, sorry, it, it makes it sometimes hard to quantify the economic impact of, of what we're talking about here. Um, so, so in in terms of what the strategy does, it outlines like a number of uh, actions that need to be taken across um, five pillars. You know, you can imagine there's planning considerations, there's the narrative itself, uh, and a host of other things. Um, but the what's at the heart of it is is really a new measurement system for vibrancy, and that sounds a bit bananas. But like, well, like put it, put put the other way, it's what are we what are we measuring for? What outcomes are we after? And and it's important to to note that this is, I think, uh, what economies globally are now having to think about and deal with. And so in terms of um, one of the metrics, one of the things that the strategy envisages is a uh, what they call an accreditation scheme for nighttime economy hubs. And it, it's, it's a, it finds its uh, reference in something called Purple Flag, which is a, a scheme in the UK which identifies what good looks like and so you're looking at things like is is there good entry and exit from an area? Is there good lighting? Is it safe? Is it is there a diversity of offering? And uh, and 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 those things taken together, you, you know, lead to these precincts that we know are vibrant, either because we visit them in the past or we remember them, right? So, um, and I and and I guess one of my challenges is is going to be in in terms of trying to articulate exactly what that means and uh, establishing their new benchmarks that we measure for, you know. So it's something between GDP on the one hand and the number of jobs and the number of venues that have opened, those types of, I guess, baseline metrics. It's identifying like other things that are also um, important value by the city. And, and we just don't necessarily, economies don't necessarily do a good job of, of, of thinking about that and articulating it. So I'll give you an example. It's like if you, what we know now is that um, that going out is an important part of, of living in a society, but how does that factor in when we're making transport and planning decisions, you know? So therefore, uh, if, if, for example, you had a, 
um, a new piece of infrastructure being built. And you said, you know what, it's really important that people use this and uh, because we attach a value to mental health to people going out and being in community, then we would, you know, in some ways price in or think about the usage of that piece of infrastructure beyond just the dollars and cents of what it's going to cost and what tariff you could charge someone to write on it. So it is, Luke, going to be a step into the unknown. Um, and I think for me personally, people ask me, you know, it's uh, what, what's the KPI? Well, KPI is, um, you know, you'll be able to measure economic activity, but how do you attribute it specifically to this to this sector? And that's, uh, you know, this is the challenge. This is the challenge for me, challenge for industry, because industry as a whole doesn't doesn't calculate these things across itself. You and I have talked about yeah. this extensively. Um, and when I'm, I'm just talking about the hospitality sector, I'm talking about its engagement with arts and culture and everything else, you know. So, mm. so uh, and work has been done in the intervening period with things like the establishment of the Nighttime Industries Association um, as a mechanism which can help with that. But, uh, you, you know, the, the sector uh, as a whole, you know, we'll find its way in the next few years in, in defining what it looks like. I'm going to ask a potentially rambling question because it's not necessarily super clear in my head, but you're speaking about it then in terms of what the city values. And there's not much value for, my, for me looking historically at, at decisions that were made due to pressure or incidents that happened in certain parts of the city that contradict what the city now values, if you know what I mean. There were different motivations that brought about decisions, whether it be lockouts or mm. um, whatever it might be. But now, because the economy needs the city to value a vibrant nightlife, it suddenly values it again. Um, mm. So I'm, I don't raise that as a negative. I, I, my question more comes to the fact that there was a heavy amount of pressure coming from certain parts of the community previously to see some um, action taken around um, late night sort of alcohol fueled violence and yep. all of those things. Do you think that pressure is still there or do you think it's going to come back as um, perhaps we see more progression towards a more vibrant city? And if so, how do you think that's going to be met now that the city uh, favours, I guess, more um, revenue uh, or economically stimulating activities to be taking place? It's one thing that I weigh up because if you study Sydney's history, you find that it's it, it, it's it's nightlife swings from prohibition to decadence are back again every twenty years. And I think we last liberated uh, the going out um, you know, economy in, in, you know around the time of the Olympics and, and twelve to thirteen years later uh, lockout, and and now we're, we're sort of going back um, to I guess a more um, encouraging enabling environment and I, I think my role very much is about trying to find that middle ground and the and 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 i think the thing that gives me confidence in that is that firstly you know my appointment is is, is the state recognizing that this is something that's important you have to get the balance right so there is a commitment from the state it's the first time in its history and it it it, it it is following other jurisdictions, yes, but I think it's unique in that it is for 
actually for a state as opposed to just a city. So other cities have nightmares, for example, um, nights are, so Amsterdam, Berlin, London. So the state in in installing the role uh, and 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 having it as a strategy, and I think, and importantly, uh, it's it's positioned within uh, Treasury, which is the economic development, I guess, um, mindset of government here. And Minister Ayers, who's the minister that I, I report into, ultimately puts it this way. He said that, in really simple terms, that. You know, New South Wales has taken on a lot of debt. We need to, as a result of the pandemic, we need to pay back that debt. The way that you pay back that debt is by having talented people live, work, and play here, and, and being attracted. And then obviously bringing, and then, and then capital coming in um, is how you create new industries. So, you know, if you think about um, it as a battle for global talent, it's where does global talent for new industries want to be? And it's really interesting and timely at the moment seeing the announcement that. Um, Marvel will be producing uh, its its movies here for the next five years. So, what a great opportunity for Sydney. And the question is, it's been occasioned by uh, the way that New South Wales, in particular, has handled the pandemic. No doubt, um, it's uh, a sensible choice in that we have fantastic uh, locations across a range of geographies, and it's also a desirable place to live. Right, but like. If you think about that in three years' time, how do you keep the industry here? How do you attract global talent uh, that to, 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 you know, to, to build that industry up from the opportunity that's been presented? And and what uh, all the suggestion shows is that places that are perceived of as being boring um, and without soul or inauthentic don't attract entrepreneurs and creatives. And so, especially at a time in our history when we are looking for new industries to replace old ones, uh, that's the part of the city's competitive um, competitive advantage that it's seeking to to um, to hold on to. So there's so that's one consideration. The other thing that comes to mind is um, it's just and, and and you know the, the the sector better than me in some ways. The trends you're seeing from in terms of alcohol consumption in particular, in decline, and you're seeing, uh, you know, um, uh, no, no alk and low alk um, beverage options. Um, so there's an element to this that, which is which is simple, is that um, younger audiences aren't necessarily as um, as focused on consuming alcohol when they go out. Um, so and so th- they will form other forms of entertainment. Really, right, and that's what all the st- statistics show. Um, so, I, I, I guess that in, in terms of me coming into the role, and it is a new one, so my job is to partly um, help define what, it, how it looks, and what it thinks about. But, but there, there are a couple of the things that I, 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 I'm thinking about. Another one is uh, in relation to Newtown versus Kings Cross. So, this has been talked about, came up in the inquiry, but um, in in historical terms, there was a 300% increase in footfall to Newtown um, when lockout uh, impacted the cross, but there wasn't a corresponding uplift in terms of um, incidents reporting into RPA. So, and why was that? And then what it shines a light on is, well, Newtown, lower concentration of um, large venues, a diverse offering. And so all these principles have kind of been played out um, and, you know, so it's sort of, 
I, I guess, and this takes us back to that purple flag thing I mentioned earlier. Um, by saying this is what success looks like, i.e. a, a purple um, flag precinct should not have a large number of large venues without with bad transport, which are two of the factors that led to, you know, those circumstances in the cross. Uh, it, it is something that, that, that can be done. And um, I, I suppose it, it's incumbent on me and, you know, no doubt, I mean, how I feel about it is I get to be both the, the, the champion for the nightlife and, and, and also the city's whipping boy on it, you know. It's, and, 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 and I say that because, because people have a different view on what they want to see in a city uh, when it comes to going out. And, and my job is to try and find something for everyone and something that is balanced and safe, and the only way you're going to get to do that is by having, and we are lucky to have arrived at this stage, is by having a full discourse between all the players in that, all at the same table. Sounds cliche, but New South Wales State Government, which includes police and health, and then local councils, industry, and uh, you know, and, and hopefully with those players engaged uh, and talking with the with with the mindset of looking to the future looking to the future audiences and what do they want? That's the real key thing here. This is an investment in the civic infrastructure of Sydney for another generation, you know, and, and it's not it's not our generation, Luke, you know, it is, but but we've we've sort of been through the city and probably have peaked, uh, reached our peak of going out. It's for the generations that come, you know, and how are we creating a city that is all those things for, for the many 5 million people that live here in New South Wales? Is it too early to have a singular kind of definable objective in the same way that you, um, I guess, conveyed on the first podcast that we did? Is, is it too early? Like if you can look forward three years and see what you, you know, it's a very cliche question, but what, what do you want to have achieved within the next sort of three years? Um, is, is it too early for you to be able to define that, do you think, or have you got a few ideas in your mind? Oh no! I think that you know we, we know what we know is that the narrative is really key, like to to for Sydney to tell its story and to tell it in a positive light. And so, yeah, pick my words carefully here, which is the new the new Mike thinking <laughs> thinking once before he speaks. But but you know you, you know lockouts now being lifted all across Sydney. It, you know it doesn't exist, and so. I, I want us to stop talking about it, not to forget the learnings from it. Like we as a city and me and everyone else in, in positions of um, civic responsibility understand and owe it to the memory of those um, young gentlemen to make sure we get this right. But it is a negative brand on Sydney and we need to just be done with it and move on. And and with it, we also need to reframe what nightlife looks like. And I think one of the challenging things I'm, I think is is people wanting to – you know, go back to that nostalgic vision of a big night out. Now, now I, I understand what that is, and um, I, I, you know, been known to enjoy those things myself quite um, uh, not irregularly. Um, but, but the reality is that um, g going out at a, at, a, at a high price point, and people have that perception about it, and it's because in the past it may have been because there's a significant budget set aside for what you're going to drink on an evening out. And 
and it, it's just not the numbers. The numbers, like the numbers, are quite scary. To be honest, I think for business owners, looking at, um, I think one of the stats, and I should have them to hand, but one of the stats is forty eight percent of eighteen to twenty nines would rather socialise online than in in the real world. That's forty eight percent. Right, prefer socialising online, and and so if you, people are talking to me about the future of clubbing. And I can see the disbelief in your eyes, but people <laughs> yeah. are talking about the future of clubbing, right? But like, you, you know, there are simply um, there's a digital intermediary who can hook you up these days in a way that ha- that never existed when I was when I was out when I was growing up. So like, there isn't that same need to go to a place and, and meet a random stranger that you know I definitely did when I was you know in, in the, my eighteen to, to thirty age group, and. The entertainment choices that people are making um, in 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 the generation that is to come is is just simply different to to, to that um, that we've enjoyed for the longest time, and to some degree, I guess affects and shapes the market and the you know the the way that especially the I guess um, you, you know a significant amount of um, our, our nightlife participants think about it, um, and so uh, at one level it's. You, you know, at one level, the market will will, find, will work itself out. You know, and this is this whole debate uh, that played out in the press the last couple of weeks when I had the audacity to suggest that you should be able to go out more than once a week, and you know, at a fifty to sixty dollar price point, it was possible to go out in Sydney and find something to eat, have something to drink, and engage in some sort of entertainment. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. It's just that we don't we don't sort of celebrate that and talk about that. And make that the focus of our nightlife discussion. You know, in Sydney we love this. It's got to be big, bold, and beautiful, and we do, and we do it really well. But there is also um, a wealth of city experiences to discover that are beyond that, and they exist not necessarily concentrated in the CBD and Kings Cross, but all across Sydney, and um, and even in those uh, areas. Uh, and people talk to me ad nauseum about Newtown and what Newtown's got going for it is getting it right. Is that it's, it's a large punk is big walk up audience, diversity of offering, and the feeling that you will see some something different. Like they're the three things, right? Like, and none of that um, is, and 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 that to me is uh, and has got to be an essential part of our thinking as we go about delivering a vibrant nightlife for Sydney. Right, um, the. Did I answer your question? No, I can't you, remember. You did. I mean, it's not as succinct as it was last time. But yeah, you're asking me about what, what are key things, right? Narrative to me is really important. Yeah, and sort of making sure we reset around, um, you know, what what going out in in Sydney is is going to be, mm. and 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 start t- start start bringing those examples to the forefront um, of our of our story for Sydney. Um, because of that fine grain thing, Luke, you know, that's the interesting bits, right? It's the things that you didn't know as opposed to the things that you uh, do know. Like that's what that's what the out economy offers that's different to the at-home economy. The at-home economy is is I control my domain. I know everything that's here. I get to choose between Netflix and Stan and I'm going to pick what I'm going to watch, right? And I'm going to choose which burger I'm going to get. Like when you go out, you're exposed to options, and it's interesting in, in terms of interviewing people for the uh, to join my team and ask them a question of um, tell me about a memorable night out. Almost without exception, people tell me about a night where it didn't go to plan. What they wanted to do wasn't what happened. 
you, you know, this algorithm stuff we love has no place in nightlife. Like you sit at home and it's because you like this, you might also like that. Vibrant cities are, I went out and you know what? Oh, I branded this person and I ended up in a, you know, this experience I never thought was possible. Like that's the stuff that the out economy has got a better um, idea of, uh, do a better job of talking about. You got me on a roll here. There's a, um, this, is, this is one thing that I've been thinking about. Years ago, and historically someone can, you know, like do the research, probably me should do it. But you think about home entertainment like centuries ago, and what changed? The out economy had a monopoly on going on, on entertainment, right? You had to leave your house to be entertained. Then pianos became popular. And with pianos came sheet music. Now, all of a sudden, people could entertain at home. And after that, the gramophone, the radio. And then these dwelling sizes increased. And so people had the opportunity to start entertaining themselves at home. Now, you wind the clock. So that was when the going out monopoly was started to be eroded, right? You wind the clock forward now and look at the range of at-home entertainment options you have. And and that attraction of, of people staying at home is one of the things that we as the going out sector need to think about. Think about how seamless it is to stay at home and have a good enough time versus how challenging it might be to go out and have a good time and think about what we as a sector can do to improve that experience, make it more seamless, make it more um, user-friendly, make it more, um, um, you know, uh, in keeping with what with what that target audience is after. So, so I think that like that's there's some big questions in there, but um, but narrative is really important to all of that. And then you know, in terms of other other key things, I mentioned you know trying to come up with benchmarks that that define um, a new way forward and what we're measuring and what society is recognizing and showing its value back is 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 kind of also top of the list. Do you have any thoughts around how quickly you think we can see uh, tangible change? I mean, the, the the ability to see change through a lockout is rapid. Um, and I remember maybe it was you or the other people I've spoken about it with over the years and always suggested that the time it would take to undo a lockout would be, you know, um, drastically longer Um Obviously, you're never going to be able to turn it back on as quickly as you turned it off. But do you have any thoughts around how long or how quickly we can shift some of the um, the thoughts or ideas that you're you're talking about? I mean, it, the good thing is that it's so linked to the economic recovery, isn't it? So you you know, um, in terms of uh, the tourism sector and its value in particular, like as one of the first hit, last to recover elements, we understand that. So if you look at say, say the C- economics of a CBD. Return to work is a big, big factor, you know, people just being in the city. But then obviously like business travel and then leisure travel, they're, they're the two missing elements going back to a previous um, benchmark. So, so, and I think it is a bit, you've got to think about CBD and suburbs slightly differently because the suburbs have enjoyed some degree a bit of a overspend as a result of um, people being decentralised um, for the time being. Although that'll start to shift as, you know, as we sort of resume life as we know it. Yeah. So. I like. I, I think. Um. 
I think it's about government policy settings um, and also the ingenuity of the um, the sector and and the commercial sit- interests that sit behind it. Um, there'll be, I would think, and particularly um, and and in, in in light of the vaccine now starting to be uh, deployed here in Australia, like uh, those things um, would tend to suggest that um, you, you know there'll be there's going to be a natural natural upswing. Um, and 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 I guess how how and you touched on it in the uh, intro, whereas you were saying that uh, it must be frustrating for owners who can see the opportunity to monetize and are not able to because they don't have the staff, right? So that's an optimization issue, if you may. And so things like talent shortages and skills shortages are pretty significant potential inhibitors on you know the growth of the sector as we come out of the other side. So. Um, you know, so because I, 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 I just think that there is a, a natural market um, Im, imperative um, that will, will, will carry us forward to some degree. Uh, my job is, is twofold in that. One is to um, try to make that as smooth as possible. So what are the things that, particularly within um, government, that are sticking points and, and holding things up? And, you know, so the great joy of, uh, of, of nighttime economy or going out economy is that there are any number of government departments who have a bit of an involvement, you know, so you got planning, transport, police, health, and and um, city councils. There's a lot of, of um, regulatory intervention. Now, a lot of uh, improvements have been made in New South Wales with the passing of the Liquor Act Amendment Bill in December, um, you know, which clear away uh, a number of restrictions. But, of course, we're still limited as we currently stand, uh, you know, on square meterage in, in terms of venue use. So, you know, I, I guess if you're me – and I have no basis to say this, and this is definitely not the view of the government I'm saying here, but at some point, like if um like one of the big one of the big measures has got to be the removal of the uh, the the um, capacity restrictions, right? like and yeah. and one would think if 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 vaccine is deployed that that is something that you know would 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 be accelerated. So you know, uh, uh, to me, I don't know. In in some ways, um, it's about trying to make sure that um, we remove inhibitors, and then we end up with the market coming back in a way that reflects the the overall product. The overall city product is better than what we had before, and more geared towards those, I guess, fundamental KPIs of of attracting talent and keeping it here, and uh, and then you know attracting capital in the future. And and you know, as I say, happily like. Yeah, one of the, you know, the pandemic. What what are some of the opportunities? Well, there's a lot of us returning Australians to um to to sit to our major cities, and and that's the brain gain effect. So the question I have is, who is it? What are they doing? How can we get them involved in in this story? Um, so that's an opportunity. And then, as I said, um, you know, uh, I don't want to you know be too rose coloured glasses, but. But the the film industry's got to be thinking about a comeback in and and that's exactly the kind of thing that here's all the multipliers that you get from that you get you get narrative being told because it's it's Hollywood um, you get everything's going to be shot in New South Wales uh, I hope um, so that you know our our cityscapes are reflected in storytelling globally and then uh, of course it's the it's the supply chain that sits behind it and all the people that it employs who are bang on demographic for you know, creatives who love to go out and have fun and be inspired. So, you know, that's a, a potential thing that's happened that we, you know, we, we, we didn't predict. Um, so let's try and take advantage of that thing. Um, so my best guess, mate, is that um, 
um, you know, by, by, by October to December, you'd hope that we're just, you know, starting to just see the natural uplift and then, yeah. and then, um, and then it's about, you know, the wider things for Sydney, which are what is our ability to see business events returning? What is our um, ability to attract major events here? Um, you know, and, and given, given what we now have a 24 hour economy strategy, there's no, it's, it's one of the most vibrant nightlifes in the world. Creatives love it. And, you know, PS, we also know how to handle a pandemic better than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll ask you one more question um, relevant to the new role and then just talk through, uh, I guess, your current slash previous role and the process behind obtaining a new role. But, um, I mean, what – you wouldn't have taken this role on lightly. What makes you nervous about this move or this role? And what, I guess, what, what are some of the failure points for it, do you think? Uh, I mean, one of, the, one of them is don't stuff it up, hey. Like, there's, there's a lot of That's expectation. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. There's a lot of expectation <laughs> on it. Um, and, 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 uh, and I, I hope that I um, can honor that. And also, I don't, um, I'll, I regret saying this, but, you know, people have a view that this is now a panacea, and you, you know all the problems are gone. And and uh, <laughs> I, I wish that was the case. And but but I don't mind. I don't mind industry in particular having that view and 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 telling me and pushing me and you know working through working through industry bodies collaboratively. I think that's a really key learning coming out of um, the pandemic. It's that when industry bodies kind of line up and tell government one thing, it's way better than everyone rolling on in there and. Uh, spouting off their own particular agenda so you know long may that continue i do have a vested interest in saying that but i really encourage anyone in an industry leadership role to speak to other industry bodies and line up around a new economy a new 24-hour strategy because the thing is that that didn't exist before and so you know however all the lobbying and um and advocacy work has been done it's now going to be done in context of this new way of thinking about our going out so so I like I, I guess I have that you know fear of failure, imposter syndrome issue going on. Um, uh, like the the bit, <laughs> the bit that worries me the most, I touched on in the opening question, and it's the it's the understanding that different demographics, and I, I think that ultimately I'm going to have to do a research piece of work here and present it back to the sector to demonstrate like from boomer through to Gen Z the difference in 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 product choice, what people want and what they represent by market share. And, and you know, so say, for example, uh, if, um, you know, talking about markets, timeout market, timeout market globally is really democratisation of fine dining concept, right? And what's driving it is on-demand decision-making by millennials and Gen Z, i.e., that is, I don't necessarily want to go out and spend this much money on on one exp- one thing, I want to sit with four of my friends and I want to personalise my experience and I want to have a cocktail from here and this person's a vegan so they want that and I'm like et cetera, et cetera. And you can assemble assemble a, your own meal, right, and, and, and at a price point that's affordable, like most notably. Like that is not that, – that, that trend isn't going away. That is – here to stay. The $50 thing I mentioned earlier, um, industry sources, uh, you know, have basically that we both know have said, yep, you bang on the money. That's what we're seeing in our spend levels coming through. And so, you know, uh, what, what one of the worries I have is that um, we we so love big, beautiful and bold in Sydney that 
you know, it's not worth going out unless we're going to spend a lot of money. Like, and I want people, and here's the challenge with that. That means people go out irregularly, which isn't good for businesses in the going out economy for reasons you can well understand. You can't plan for lumpy Friday nights, right? Um, for, for me, that's not a vibrant city. That's a city that wakes up once a week and goes out and then goes back to bed. I, I, we've got to, I want to see areas that are different where, uh, you know, we've got the world, the world is on, is, is not on our doorstep. It is our doorstep here. We have so many different uh, communities across uh, the greater metropolitan of Sydney that people within Sydney should be able to explore Sydney reasonably easily, which is where the transport network's really important and have different types of experiences more regularly than we're currently doing. You know, I keep telling people interested in your views is if you look at the three, um, three potential op- decisions you can make tonight about what you do if mm. you've got leisure time. Dealing, the first is the destinational night out. I want to go somewhere, right? That's the kind of old big night out language. Yeah. The second is I'm going to stay in my local area and do something. And the third is I'm going to stay at home. If you overlay what's the pandemic's done to those three things, the first in amongst there's cop the biggest beating. It's going to a, a concentrated area on public transport is basically is basically being said, please think about doing that. You know, that's what we've kind of said for a while. So, and then secondly, because of that, the product offering is just not at the standard it was before. And that's, I'm sorry to say that, but that is just calling a spade a spade. I've been out, I go out regularly. Um, people's hours are shortening. Uh, and it's understandable because no one wants to be sort of trading when there's no customers there. And and it's going to take us a while to see that trade resume, right? So the product offering category one being it's the one that's taken the biggest hit from the from the pandemic. The second is your local area. And what's happened in the local area is that that has gone up essentially because people are spending money in their backyard and and depending on where you are, that sometimes that money will get reinvested and the product will get improved and, you know, and so... So that's a good thing. And I think that's something for us to take advantage of. Um, and the third, of course, is the at-home experience. One thing that, um, and again, stats would be really useful, but big screen TVs and home electronics went through the roof during the pandemic. And what, we think people are just going to say, oh, no, I've just invested five grand in that TV. I'm going to ignore it. No, that's going to become a central part of their experience. And now, particularly, you can get bottled cocktails delivered home. You can get more food choices delivered home. Those That at-home experience is has really been upgraded and, um, and you know, I, I, I'm getting a lot of um, uh, provoking a few people with this image because I think if um, you were the head of a streaming service, what happens is like, here, Luke, use this Apple TV, Netflix stand for a month and I'm going to charge you, but I'm going to take your credit card details. And then a month later, I'm going to start deducting from you. Like if you inverted that and said, as the out economy, we're going to do the same thing, you know, we want you to come back out you're going to subsidise it, which is why, you know, like people working together, um, the government's $50 dining vouchers, I see Australian Venue Co has ma- is matching it dollar for dollar, right? That's an attempt to say, hey, come and try us again. We're here. We're still here. We'll give you a good time. Mm. And that type of um, approach is what I think the sector needs to think about in, in order to encourage people back out and get them reminded about the value of, of it um, because otherwise the decision to stay in um, has been made a lot easier. So so going back to the pressure points on it, it's I think having that conversation and then having people sort of understand what it may mean for their business. And, and you know, I'm not an expert in all things. I've talked about it in the past. I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. But I know enough about each sector to say, well, look, this is what 
like, and, and we can research it. And this is what we're seeing. This is what the best operators are saying. So I think that sort of, you know, having people go through their own mindset shift around what, um, what product they can create together in a precinct with others playing well together so that the overall experience of going out is enhanced is, is, is the key challenge, right? Like Sydney, um, can I get Sydney to collaborate? That is the question. I wanted to ask you about, if you don't mind, the process that sat behind um, this role because there's there's a few different parts here. I'm asking probably more with like a people-focused hat on. Um, what you have just done um, is something that many people try to achieve throughout their careers, you know, you've, you, you, and you've probably you've done it twice now. One was a bit of a leap of faith, I guess, going from being a lawyer to then taking on time out. But this was a much more strategic move. And, and knowing you, I don't think you knew that this was the role that you would find yourself in um, when you started undertaking, uh, I guess, a lot of the activities that you have undertaken over the last couple of years where you've been advocating, um, lobbying, um, you know, spreading the message as well as you possibly can. But it has ended up um, with you achieving this role, which is in a completely different world, really, to where you have mm. been going from media to government. Um, correct me if I'm wrong about what I said before. Was that strategic? Has this been um, a bit of a play or, or a goal or an objective for you to achieve over the last couple of years? Um, and it probably it doesn't need a yes answer for that to for you to share how you actually achieved it though because there'll be some activities that you've undertaken whether it's through networking through again the advocating or lobbying or sort of being out in people's faces or having an agenda um to service that's enabled you to make this transition can you talk us through that how again how how uh how what's the right word i'm looking for i'm struggling for it how um clear the objective was for you and how intentional sorry this uh this process was on your side mm. it's one of those things where um the short answer is did i um did i design a process or or have, have i ended up where i to do um what i set out to achieve which was to be in a senior role within government uh looking after 24-hour economy and the answer to that is no like what I set out to achieve was to uh, to to have Sydney find to get its groove back, and and I um I think I had a uh, what do they say similar moment whatever when I had the emotion of wanting to move to Melbourne about four years ago five years ago, and I and I felt that because I was really sick and tired of um of you know um of not being able to get things done in Sydney that I felt needed to be done. And this is when timeout was, you know, and I guess I, I think in my time I moved from commentator to advocate. And as a commentator, timeout had commentated on lockout going, oh, sorry, lockout being imposed and, you know, the city sort of atrophying and those things. But there's a massive difference between commentating and then, you know, rolling up your sleeves and going, I'm actually going to go do something about that. And, and that's, I think, um, you know, when I had the moment of I want to move to Melbourne, I thought, 
oh, it's pretty bad if the person who started timeout in Sydney to celebrate Sydney um, is now feeling like they want to move cities. Like yeah. it, it's not a it's a it's a it's a it's a very emotional personal thing because you've got to be a stupid idiot to go and try and launch timeout in Australia in the first place. And you're only going to do that if you have belief in the city. And 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 I did, and I lost it. I lost it. And I thought I need to, like, I can't just go see you later. I have to go do something about it. And um, and that's where I, you know, that journey began. And and it just hasn't stopped. Like in that, once you said going, okay, well, how do we go solve this problem? And it's like, okay, well, you need to understand government, media, politics, et cetera. And I remember being on the podcast three years ago and telling you I'd made a, spent a first year just make a total um, mess of it because I didn't know what I was doing um, in that world. But, um, you know, over time, over time, I worked it out a bit and and lined up people and um and 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 not everyone I should say like the number of people who've told me that this would be a total waste of time and um you know like I was dreaming um is greater than the number of people who got on board by the way and um it's just fine you just don't need everyone to mm. you just need enough people who are committed behind a unified vision to go and shift the market and. And shift of shift opinion, or shift like whatever it is you're trying to do. It's uh, the law of diffusion of innovation. You only need to get to early, early adopters, an early majority, and you're done. The rest of the market will follow. And so, I um, and and I think it. Um, I mean, the NTIA when we worked out that that needed to form, uh, that was probably the moment that um, you, you know th- there was an inevitable sequence of events in that the NTIA. Uh, was formed to create a positive new narrative for Sydney. That was its reason. It then got different sector participants from across the board in small numbers, sitting alongside each other and talking horizontally as opposed to staying in their own verticals, talking about the value of going out and city vibrancy and being inspired, these sorts of sometimes hard-to-measure notions that we've been talking about. And, uh, and then the original policy ask for the NTIA was that um, the government have a strategy and put someone in charge along with repealing lockout and other things. And so the point at which um, that policy ask was put forward and the government came out and said there will be a strategy was probably starting to preordain, uh, you know, the type of um, um, person that might be called upon to, to, to take on, on this, this role. Um, it... <laughs> I've only I learned I learned a few things in the journey, and one of them was that this is pretty personal, so you know may need to edit it out. But but I remember sitting and and seeing at Global Cities After Dark in its first thing, and I, I wasn't invited to speak at Global Cities After Dark, and I was a bit sort of like, why didn't they ask me? And and the reality was, well, why would they ask me? I hadn't actually done anything other than have time out, write a few stories, right? And 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 it was one of those moments where. Someone also said something. This line to me: "Be so good they can't ignore you," you know. And and I think you start. It's the it's the same thing. Of the other examples are, um, you know, when you just fo- focus on process, not on the outcome. And I I just focus on process. I focus so intently on the process of of getting things done and 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 left foot after right that I know we'll reach the goal at some point, right? And so the last um, few years has really been about that for me. Um, and, and, and now, uh, you know, the personal bit of, of course it's, it's, um, humbling and an honor. Um, but really it's about, and I said this in the interview process, like if I'm the best person for this job, then please tell me and I will, I will, I will take it on. 
But if there's someone better than me, tell me who they are and let me let me help them. Tell me how I can help them. And I genuinely believe that. And if I'm not the right person for this, then whoever is the right person, you know, I will I would lovingly and happily support through whichever means I had possible because this is for, you know, the the, the, the greatest prize of all, which is future generations, right? And like and as, as we're both parents, we've both got kids young ages, you want them to grow up in, in places and spaces that are going to inspire them and nurture them and, and, and do do wonderful things for, for the future, right? And and so, you know, it's a great um, um, honour, but it's not like a, a – um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like my goal to get the job. My goal has always been to be learning and developing and there's a Bowie line about always being at the point in the ocean where you, you just can't touch the bottom, you know, that, that part where you walk out. And, you know, my history, and I've bored people silly with the list of degrees and enterprises and stuff I've done, but it's about, for me, jumping now into something new, which I know I'm also going to be learning and developing through as well. There's an element of that which said to me, well, you know, you, you've 15 years at time out. Last year we won Publisher of the Year and Publishing Company of the Year. And it's not about those achievements, but there's a recognition that there has been um, – 15 years of a job reasonably well done. I'm still a work in progress, but it's it's now the thing of, okay, can I, can I create a bigger impact? Am I the right person to do the job? And if so, let's get on there and go and do it. And let's bring, let's bring all of this thing together. One thing I want to make sure I, I, I um, articulate here is that it's four stakeholder groups. There's state government, there's local councils, and there's industry and, and the strategy brings all those three together and says, you guys learn how to work together, please. Like that's the short story, right? Do a good job of it. This is the framework. The last part, the most important part is the citizen. It's the punter. So we can get those first three things right. But if we don't get the product right, i.e. what people want to engage with in our city, then it would have all been for nothing. And that's why when you ask me what the biggest challenge is, it's like let's as a, as a community, as a city now say, who are we doing this for? And and can we can we make sure that we're inclusive? So that means totally we need to preserve the best of what we've got and totally we need premium experiences for special occasions or, you know, tr- things that people have loved doing. I don't want to say no to any of it. What I want to do is say let's make sure that we're providing for everybody now, particularly those that are coming next. Mate, well put. Um, time out. Obviously, 15 years, as you just said. I mean, how hard was that decision-making process to actually, uh, I guess, you know, it's a positive decision in one hand. It always comes with the, you know, the Mm -hmm. negative uh, uh, outcome on the other side, which is having to leave a business that you essentially built here um, and have been investing a lot of time into, you know, significant time into for the last 15 years. How hard was it to make that call? Um, of note, obviously, you've got a lease in there who's exceptional and is mm. going to be taking the reins. So I think that would obviously have had to give you some semblance of, um, I don't know, calm or reassurance about making that decision. But it's still always hard. Um, you know, I was at Keystone for 11 years and leaving that business was very, very, very difficult. Um, I can mm. only imagine the same for you. Was it how, how difficult did you find that process? I'm not through it yet, am I? That's the other thing which I should just note in that 
I'm in the process, for example, of uh, cleaning out my office and picking up. Um, that needed a very good clean, by the way, because it was <laughs> picking up reports and picking up, you know, things that I've worked on and all of those things. And so, obviously, there's anyone who leaves an organisation over a long period of time, there's a, an element of um, uh, nostalgia and memory that's attached to it, and I'll be no different. I think the thing that uh, gives me um, peace with that, um, and, and I think the team that I'm leaving um, – I don't want to say behind, but alongside me in this, as I enter this new role is, oh, I suppose maybe there's two things. <laughs> One is that the it, well, t- Time Out's a brand that's been there since 1968 and and I always felt like the privileged custodian of the brand, even though it was in the context of a business that I've founded, but um, it – it, 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 it's not mine. It's not anybody's. It's everyone's. And, 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 and as the custodian of the brand in the country, I'd like to think I've done, well, I'd like to think that I've done the best job I possibly could have. Um, and I think I've, I've you know, at, at least built a sustainable model for a publishing business in a market that's very hard to do um, for publishers. The other thing is that the, the, the vision, sorry, what I'm being asked to do as I go into the 24-hour economy role is really so mission aligned to what Time Out is there to do. Time Out's sole purpose is to inspire people to go out and have fun in their city <laughs> because we understand that going out is to be alive. Right? That, that's, when, that's, when, that's when you you find your other half. That's when you, you meet a new friend. That's when you learn things about the world that isn't fed by an algorithm to mm. you. Having got the algorithms because you can see what happens when you don't have regulated uh, a regulated environment for stuff. So, so, so the the mission for Time Out and the mission for this uh, role, I mean, you're splitting hairs if you're trying to say there's something different. The complexity around this role is at another level, and I hope that I can uh, be guided and 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 be humble and be open to learning um, from all the people that I, I need to. Now, on the other side, right within government, I need to learn how to navigate government, and I need to better understand certain areas of the uh, puzzle that I don't have as good a grasp on. Um, yeah. So, so I think that um, you know, it's a saying at timeout. Um, it's the Hotel California, or you're either Hotel California, you can never really get out, or or you boomerang back. And um, and to me, you know, timeout remains um, an important part of how um, this role is delivered because it exists to do that work. It exists to celebrate cities. And I'm glad that I've, we've got, you know, close connections here and in amongst all the other urban publishers uh, uh, as well and all my many and growing friends in media. Love you all. But as a business timeout, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's the same job being done from a different office in one way. Are you able to accept complimentary drinks at venues anymore? <laughs> It's going to be a it's going to be a permanent <laughs> battle, isn't it? Really, like, um, you might, um, surely you'd have to report it, right? That's got to be yeah, the biggest yeah. downfall of taking this role. No, I know. It's, uh, it, it, I've, I have thought about this, Luke. And, um, I know. And, and, and I have. I mean, no, no. My wife and I have sat down, and uh, I've explained that a significant amount of my um, own personal income will now be spent on tips uh, to offset the amount of. Um, uh, or, or purchase drinks that would otherwise have been thrown in me, but then you know people are starting to do that, and that's all fine. But like you know the um the yeah like it's a government role, and it's uh not appropriate for me to be um be uh you know accepting gifts um and gratuities without disclosing them. 
But it, what is appropriate is for me to be out and about a lot and enjoying the city. And it's the one thing that I've started to do again uh, and, and I'm enjoying. Like it, it's one of those when you're, you know, running time out, people think you're out and about the whole time and the reality yeah. is very different. Um, and and I, have, um, I have genuinely enjoyed the last two or three weeks where – I'm looking at the, uh, the city with eyes afresh and hopefully in the role I'm planning to uh, spend, you know, two to three days a week in the city uh, in offices, um, meaning, uh, you, you know, where I'm based. But yeah, one to two days I'll be out out in, in greater metropolitan Sydney, basing myself out in local council areas and discovering and looking at the city fresh. And, um, and, and there's so much to be, there's so much to be discovered. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I am looking forward to looking forward to that. Uh, mate, uh, in terms of appointments, obviously, you know my opinion on it. I think there's no one better for the job, um, which is obviously why you got it. They couldn't find anyone better, um, but I don't think they actually exist. So um, that should hopefully help answer your, your initial questions. I'm going to spring this on you now, and, and I didn't let you know, but I thought seeing as you are a guest, we probably should take you through the full guest experience, which would mean asking you the final five questions. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe before we do that, can we just take a, a quick break? Just just a second, Luke. Yes. So, Luke. Yes, Michael. Are you going to ask me the questions or am I going to ask myself? That would be stupid if you did it for yourself. I will do it for you. What is your favourite book or the book you've most recently read that you love uh, or uh, a podcast that you're listening to right now that you think everyone should listen to? Well, the book I'm reading, and it comes as no surprise, but it's the first 90 days, which is what anyone going into a new role uh, should read <laughs> as as how you go about transitioning into uh, into into a role. So, I am not all the way through it because the job hasn't started yet, but I am part way through it. Okay. Any podcasts that you got kicking around that you really like? Oh, well, you know, as you know, I, I, I've been doing the Time Out for Business podcast. Um, and um, I mean, so, so I, my podcast listening isn't as up to speed as I normally am. I always enjoy a good stuff you should know. I find it like a, a good, uh, um, you know, way to get into some esoteric appeals to my way of learning things really. So, but other than that, mate, no, I reckon uh, that they're the, that, that's about as good as you're going to get from me today. Mm, I need a new podcast. Not that you're going to help me because you clearly haven't, but all I'm listening to is The Daily at the moment and I need something else to listen to. Uh, maybe this will help. What's your favourite album or artist right now? Now, this one I can't actually answer because the one artist that I have been listening a lot to is Aloe Black. Mm. And he uh, it was one that had that I Need a Dollar song years ago, but uh, his latest album, which isn't that, is about a year or two old, I think All Love Everything it's called, it is really resonating with me for various reasons and uh, I think it's just one of those things where I like the music but B, it's one of those where the artist and you have a similar view or similar perspective right. on life. The songs the songs are speaking to me, Luke. Yeah, well, In wow. there, track three, My Way. Anyone want to listen to that? That's probably how I'm going to go about doing this job, for better or worse. We will make sure that we have some of those songs uh, peppering this podcast. 
Um, favorite drink right the now. Favorite drink of all time for Rodriguez. Not that anyone cares. Is a Smoky Bobby Burns? I don't know what I said last time you asked me this question, but a Smoky Bobby Burns is is what I what I will go to when needed. And you, talk us through it. I've never had one or heard of it. To be honest, I'm pretty sure it's a riff on a Manhattan, just with a Scotch whiskey, but particularly smoky, uh, a smoky whiskey. Nothing gotcha. too heavy. You know, more in your Bowmore, Talisker, that sure. level of um, smoke. And where would one acquire said drink? Well. Doesn't have to be your favorite bar of all time because that's the next question. But is it actually at your favorite bar or is it a different venue? Well, let's see. Let's see if there are people listening. But discerning bars all over Sydney. Okay, um, no, it's a, a good good bartenders know it as a as a standard. So uh, I haven't seen it on the list for a while. But uh, whenever I'm uh, you, you know looking for a go to, and I've, I've done too many Negronis or I've done my first couple, mm. then I'll switch to that. Make sure you pay from them. Uh, what is your favourite venue in the world? <laughs> oh, that's a do actually. Uh, well, I was not reasonably well travelled. Do I think, unless it's just Singapore, but um, <laughs> do a domestic <laughs> uh, venue and then an international venue, please, uh, um, councillor. Well, Sorry. I mean, you've given me a you've given me a, a, a strong strong direction there. Um, I think that I don't know if it's in the in the um, in the category of favourite, but it's very hard to to go to Singapore and not go to Atlas, even if you've been before. Mm. Like it is just uh, what is it? A cathedral of fine drinking. I think Paul Gaby referred to it Correct, as, and yeah. I, it's, I find myself telling people about that a lot. So I'd I'd put that up there. Um, I want to give a shout out to a venue that I visited recently in Sydney uh, that it was one of those where I'm like, I can't believe I haven't been here for, for before, but it was Bancho in Chinatown. So it's a Japanese whiskey bar or Japanese inspired whiskey bar. Um, and it's in a part of town where uh, it's, it's, it's not necessarily top of mind for, for going out, uh, for, particularly for those of us in the trade. But uh, what I'd say on that Luke, is that Lunar New Year, I'd finished doing the, the, the photo shoot with the Herald and um, went around and sat down and had a, had a couple of drinks there and some great bar snacks and well well worth the visit. Mm. And an area that was particularly hurt through uh, the pandemic, especially at That's the beginning, right. yeah. so good to show it some love. Absolutely. Uh, all right, then. And final question um, is, who in the industry are you most inspired by and you could probably pick a few different worlds for to choose from here whether it be hospitality media uh politics um go for it Mm. um uh, one thing i want to do is give a shout out to the the many industry leaders and people within government and all across the board that have have united like the it's it's um people been very nice to me and saying you've done a great job and I'm like yeah can I just explain there's a hundred people like me who've been working together uh, city you know you know phone calls roundtables submissions um, you know industry bodies and uh, it it has been a, a a cast of thousands and I just want to say for the record that um, I acknowledge the, the the joint contribution that everyone's made and I hope that I do the right a good job to honor honor the contribution everyone's made, but but in terms of um, so I find those people inspiring because what's what, what about that is that people have to think about 
people who aren't themselves and work together. And that's really what uh, we want to lock in now and go forward with. The person I want to give a shout out to is the posthumous. Posthumous? Post, post, I can't say that word. Posthumous. Posthumous uh, um, shout out. But, um, and, and I think someone who would be proud uh, of, of me and what I'm about to go do is, is the founder of Time Out, Tony Elliott, who passed away um, uh, last year during the pandemic um, um, from cancer. And, and the, the, the reason why I, I want to single him out is that he began Time Out when he was 21 years old and he, and he was at that age in London and there was all these wonderful things to do and visitors to the city and residents didn't know about them. And at that time in London there was, I guess, a, uh, going out was not democratised. It was kind of like held by privileged and and I feel very much this is, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that resonates with me now as I think about, you know, the many 21-year-olds we're trying to build a nightlife for. And, uh, and, and Time Out's always been about that wide experience, about the overall uh, aspects of going out, not about eating and drinking only, but the very much arts, mu- music, culture, f- cinema, film, et cetera. And so, you know, I think... Um, Obviously, I didn't know him so well, um, but uh, his his work and his legacy, um, you know, I, I feel carries on. And um, and for me personally, you, you know, and that story, that story of ambition and of uh, of um, of someone looking to celebrate their city to residents and tourists alike is really one I hope I can do, age forty five and going into government. Yeah, nice. Well, mate. Um Anything else you want to share before we uh, wrap, before we wrap up? up? Yeah. It's kind of, I think I interviewed you on a podcast recently. Um, it's a bit out of body being interviewed. It is. On your own podcast. So I hope I have not bored listeners too much and I hope that, um, that you know, that a lot of what I'm saying is um, – is is a work in progress you know this role this role is new we get to shape it and uh you know thoughts disagreements let's have them out let's 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 um share share those and 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 try and put the best foot forward so hopefully um we can come back to this one mate in three years time and uh see (laughs) (laughs) see how wrong i was <laughs> right. Well, mate, thanks for your time. Congratulations again. Um, I'm really look forward to see what happens over the next couple of years as you, uh, you know, uh, dominate the role. So, um, thanks for your time. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> <laughs>